Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. As we gear up for the biggest year in politics, one thing we can all do now is start voting with our wallets. By supporting brands and companies that share your values, you're sending a message. It's like buying a team jersey, and we're on Team Sanity. Our sponsors are, too. So before we get behind the candidates, let's get behind the people, our people. Every day, men and women who have started businesses across the country, people just like you and me. Support a Clan Buck sponsor and let your voice be heard. The more of us that support them, the louder our collective voice becomes. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Wednesday edition of Clay and Buck kicks off right now. Technically the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show, but we like Clay and Buck too. Um, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. You know this. There's some uh, political throwdowns in the making. You have Ron DeSantis versus Nikki Haley up on stage at CNN. On Fox News, on the other side of the dial, you're going to have a Trump town hall. Trump will be going into Iowa as a candidate who has not appeared at a single debate. And the people that are... All in on Trump would say, look at that strategy. Hasn't exactly slowed him down, has it? But we'll talk a little bit, I think, about some last-minute uh, Iowa possibilities. And we know we're just a few days away. Uh, Monday will be the Iowa caucuses. Uh, also, a story that's getting a lot of attention on the immigration front. You got uh, New York City high school students, two about 2,000 of them, forced into remote learning because New York City's getting hit by a storm and they have to move thousands of illegal migrants into the high school that these kids thought that they were going to as a high school. Uh, so they're now doing remote learning for a few days. It just shows you both the priorities, uh, where they're placed and the resource strain that that city's under illegal immigration very much in the spotlight. Clay, there's more also on the mysterious few days of the Biden regime neither knowing nor caring where its Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, was. 
Steve Ducey, did you see that throwdown? Steve Great Ducey question. Yeah. R- really uh, flustered Admiral Kirby by just saying, why should we listen to you guys if you're going to lie about something like that? We'll get to that a little bit. Um, also, some follow-up on the Alaska Airlines flight, if you saw that, that lost uh, a, a piece of the fuselage, like a window basically disappeared. Um, and then Fauci on kids suffering learning loss, we will take Fauci to task for being the lab coat Stalin that he is. But, Clay, I wasn't expecting this one on, on my uh, bingo card, so to speak. You had Hunter Biden today making a surprise appearance during a contempt of Congress hearing, um, and he is being held in contempt, right? Or rather, that, that's the point of the hearing. He shows up, sits in the front row with his lawyer, Abby Lowell, doesn't say anything. Congress erupts. Uh, you know, what, what's going on here? I guess he just figures, gotta play this out in the court of public opinion instead of the actual court or in, well, in Congress, I suppose. Yeah, I'm trying to work through it from a, because really, as with Trump, you're dealing with a simultaneous political and legal issue. And sometimes the political moves are not the moves that a lawyer would suggest and vice versa. And so there, the, the Democrats are actually in a really difficult spot with Hunter Biden right now. Because when he didn't show up for his deposition, if you follow the precedent of Steve Bannon, who was prosecuted for refusing to comply with a congressional subpoena and provide testimony, and I believe is currently waiting sentencing or there's an appeal. I mean, he was convicted in a D.C. court uh, for refusing to comply with a congressional subpoena. And Democrats made a big deal. They're all on the record as saying, you have to show up when you have a congressional subpoena. This is a very serious issue. If you don't comply with congressional subpoenas, you should be prosecuted and you should have consequences under the law. My bet is that Hunter is going to try to argue from a legal perspective and that this undergirds the politics of what he's done by showing up twice on Capitol Hill, once uh, the first time on the day he was scheduled to testify, to having the press conference outside saying he's happy to do it, but he wants to do it in public which is the way the second part of House testimony, congressional testimony works. I think, Buck, they're going to try to argue that he's not in the same boat as Steve Bannon because he's willing to testify. There's just a dispute over how that testimony should be taking place. But as a matter of law, I think Republicans should refer, hold him in contempt, and refer this to Merrick Garland and put this on the plate of the Attorney General and say, why does Hunter Biden not get the same treatment as Steve Bannon for refusing to comply with the subpoena? And then I think big picture, and I'm curious how how you would analyze this, Buck, I think big picture, this thing's not going away for Joe Biden. And this was why refusing to sign off on that sweetheart deal was such a big deal Everybody's got to talk about Hunter Biden again now because he showed up like this. They were this yes. close. The stroke of a pen from a judge for making the entire Hunter Biden thing completely go away as though it had never happened before. This close. And they thought they were going to get it, too. I think what Hunter's doing here, uh, he's in a sense 
taking a page from the Trump playbook. The difference is Hunter's actually committed like dozens and dozens of obvious crimes, and Trump they're prosecuting because they hate him. Um, but he's effectively showing up as in a defiant. I don't recognize the jurisdiction of this show trial. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. meant to be. It's meant to be Hunter Biden giving Democrats a show of defiance so they can tell themselves. The the obvious lies that we've heard, things like, oh, Hunter's only being prosecuted because he's Joe Biden's son. That's the opposite of the truth. He's only not sitting in prison because yes. he's Joe Biden's son, right? It's actually in the in the complete opposite direction. And and I think uh but you see what Nancy Mace said? Yeah. Um she says yeah, he has they, no um I think we have that audio. Do we do? Do we have this audio? I believe we was, have the Nancy Mace audio. Cut, cut one, one, let it rip. My first question is, who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. Um, second question, you are the epitome of white privilege, coming into the Oversight Committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here and... M- Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Mr. Chairman, if the, the, if, if, if the gentle lady wants to hear from Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. And Chairman. Let's take a vote and hear from Hunter Biden. What are you afraid of? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Order, order, order. Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Are women allowed to speak in here or no? You keep interrupting me. I'll interrupt the chairman. I don't know that he's a lady. I think that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. Straight to jail. Straight to jail, she wants to send him. I think we also have Hunter Biden storming out when Marjorie Taylor Greene is recognized to speak at the hearing. I mean, this all just happened. I'll I'll tell you what I would advise purely from a legal perspective in a sec here, too, Buck. But listen to cut two. Chair, recognize Ms. Greene from Georgia for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Excuse me, Hunter. Apparently, you're afraid of my words. Uh, Whoa! (laughs) Oh... I'd like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. I think it's clear and obvious for everyone watching this hearing today that Hunter Biden is terrified of strong conservative Republican women because he can't even face my words as I was about to speak to him. What a coward. I got to get the title to Nancy Mace on this one. I'm just going to (laughs) say she went after him a little harder. Here's my here's my legal analysis. I I don't understand why Hunter Biden didn't just show up and take the fifth. Because it feels to me like one of the challenges of being a lawyer is sometimes your client's an idiot. But and he wants to fight even when fighting is the bad advice. He, He is effectively challenging Congress. In this case, obviously, the Republicans in Congress in a way that under he could be. I don't even know where they put him. Do They have like their own jail in the House of Representatives. It doesn't really happen. So we don't know. But that hasn't happened since the 1830s. I was reading about this. They have the legal authority to actually arrest him for refusing to comply with the subpoena. You know, it used to be that they would remove members of Congress and, and even federal judges for like drunkenness on the bench. I mean, if you go back in American history, there's some crazy stuff that we don't even remember anymore. But the point about Hunter here, Clay, is he is he is visually publicly undermining 
the entire pro- this I'm saying what his strategy yeah. is undermining the process to say this whole thing is a sham. It would be like walking into a criminal court and saying to the judge, you know, I don't recognize your jurisdiction in this matter. Now, the judge is going to throw your butt in prison. That's not happening here because they're not going to do it. And and I think they Hunter needs a narrative of he's a martyr. And they're only going after him because he's Joe Biden's son. I know everyone in this audience laughs. That's absurd. Of course it's absurd. But it gives them the cover, right? It gives them enough leeway that it takes a little bit of this, of the sting out of this politically for the Democrats. I think that this is blowing up in the Democrats' faces. And, and I think one of the, one of the challenges, oh, you read I'm all talking these about stories. Hunter's, Hunter's yeah. perspective. You know, no, I think, yeah, you know, yeah. But, but I think, uh, one of the arguments you'll hear is that Joe Biden's advisors have difficulty talking to him about Hunter because he, this is according to the stories that have been written. Yeah. He gets so emotional, he won't talk about it in a rational fashion. I think that every time Hunter shows up and engages in histrionics and theatrics like this, it just shines a spotlight on the fact that he didn't pay his taxes and there are more people out there who become aware of Hunter Biden. Remember, we're, everybody in our audience, we all know this Hunter Biden story. There's a lot of people out there in America who bought into the idea that this was all trumped up, that there was nothing to it. And every time the media has to talk about these Hunter Biden things, it's hard to argue to being unfairly treated when you didn't pay millions of dollars in taxes. I mean, this is not a complicated story for most Americans, I think, to understand. Hunter looks like what he is every time he does this, a spoiled, entitled brat who believes rules don't apply to him. There are a lot of things where we could still feel like we have to say, you know, alleged or we we know about the tax issue. He was going to plead guilty on the tax issue. And that's a you did or you didn't. Right. I mean, you know, you either paid or you didn't pay. He's never said that he paid the taxes. He obviously didn't pay the taxes. He had to pay massive fines already as as a result of that. Um, I think it's it's interesting to see, though, when they say that Joe Biden, obviously he's upset about it. It's his son. But Hunter's not going to prison. I'm going to tell everybody this right now. Cause it's, and this probably isn't anything that anyone wants to hear. Not only is Hunter Biden not going to prison, he will have this all wiped away and he'll be a rich guy again by this time next year or be on the way to being a rich guy again. Because what, what's the downside for him? As much as we sit here, Clay, and look at what a clown he is. I mean, here, here's the, this is cut three. This is this reporter. This is the kind of question that Hunter Biden's getting these days. Play three. Could you please, I'll answer your question if you be quiet and let me make a statement, okay? What kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? <laughs> Have you heard that? What kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? Now, Are there look flavors at this, we... of crack, by the way? I, I don't even know. Do you know? I'm not up to speed on I'm the I'm very happy to know. I'm very yeah. happy to not know the answer to that question at all. Um, uh, although, so... I, 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 it is funny that that's kind of what a laughingstock he's become. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I think we'll get into some of this. What do you guys think is going on with this? 800-282-2882. We will uh, take your calls on it. Think of all the hours you spend in front of your computer or on your phone, then multiply by five or ten. That's how many hours a cyber hacker works trying to steal your data. It's called online identity theft, and it's a real problem. It's also a silent crime. No alarms that go off. You find out when your credit card is maxed out or your bank account suddenly has less money, you can do something about it with LifeLock, single best company offering online identity theft protection. Their online uh, systems often detect activity you don't see. If you become a victim 
A dedicated U.S.-based LifeLock restoration specialist will work with you to fix it. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives, and it's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Join today and save 25% off your first year with the promo code CLAY. That's my name, C-L-A-Y. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go online to LifeLock.com and use that promo code CLAY for 25% off. Truth after truth, you can handle the truth. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the armstrong and getty show to start listening more than a movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia he has the smarts of Vito, the temper of sunny the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, is that that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your kids are supposed to go to school. And then someone tells you, sorry, your kids have to stay home. Why? Was there some type of real significant storm or some some emergency? Was there a flu outbreak? Well, why are they having to stay home? They're having to stay home because the state government is commandeering or the city government is commandeering the school to house illegal aliens. You talk about putting Americans last. You're having these kids, you're depriving these kids of in-person education to be able to house people that don't have a right to be here to begin with. That's Joe Biden's America in a nutshell. So that was uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis at a uh, town hall last night in Iowa talking about the situation in New York City right now. Uh, you got around 2,000 um, uh People, 2,000 people have been moved from a tent shelter 
on a uh, Floyd Floyd Bennett Field, the former airplane runway in southern Brooklyn. They moved because of heavy storms expected, so they shut down a high school to move the migrants uh, into. Uh, you know, a, a couple of things on this one, Clay. Um, you know, one thing that that I think people are are understanding now more than ever is that the migrant uh, population, especially when it congregates, particularly in one city, it comes with considerable uh, expense to the taxpayer. And you also recognize that this is a little bit like a, a mobile refugee camp. I mean, that is what asylum seekers are a form of refugees. So when you have tent cities in New York for the migrants, it is a refugee camp. And when they show you what their priorities are, meaning the city of New York, that instead of finding some way to house these migrants that does not displace all these kids, they go, well, just stay home. You know, now, now all these parents at this high school have to, have to deal with, with the displacement. Um, it makes all of this real to people. And then when you start to look at what the numbers are, it's about 7 million, 6.8 million, I think is the official number right now. Um, it's going to be more like 8 million by the, t- or 7 million, 900,000. There we go. Are elsewhere. And they're causing tremendous disruption and resource usage and, what exactly are we getting for all of this? And what is the Biden administration going to do about it? I think it also crystallizes who bears the cost when illegal immigrants are coming into the country. It's very often the people who are at the bottom of the uh, food chain in the first place. I think I saw that two-thirds of the students that are being kicked out of this school are on free or reduced lunch at that school in uh, in New York. So much like with COVID... When, if you were fortunate enough to live in a, uh, in a, in a neighborhood, in a county, in a community that stayed open, I was, your kids got to go to school. If you were unfortunate enough to live in predominantly blue cities, your kids were out of school for almost two years in some of these places. And the kids that were out of school were the poorest among us. So it's very easy when you are rich comparatively. And you get to work from home and you sit in with the laptop in your lap and you work for a couple of hours. Then you pop on Netflix. Then you hit the gym, have a nice little lunch. Then you come back and tune in for another hour to sit around and say, oh, let's have lockdowns. Oh, these are illegal immigrants. Let's support them. But I think what you're seeing, Buck, do you remember when uh, in Chicago they kicked kids out who were playing football? Uh, from their uh, locker room and their gym to give it over to illegal immigrants. And there was a big protest in Chicago from that local community saying, wait a minute, these kids are sports are helping to keep them on the straight and narrow, giving them an opportunity to, to focus on something, to have coaches and uh, a reason sometimes to stay in school. And suddenly the illegal immigrants get it. New York City, remember when they took over the soccer fields, I believe in Brooklyn, and put up tent housing, and suddenly the kids can't go play soccer anymore because they took over the park and they're giving it over to illegal immigrants. What a lot of people who hadn't given much thought to this are suddenly realizing is there are only so many resources. And when you are a high-tax community that is losing residents, as New York is, you're not able to provide the same services to everyone that you might have been in the past. And you know who gets the short end of it? Poor citizens in favor of illegals. And I think that's resonating 
in big cities in a way that maybe it hasn't in past years with the immigrant crisis. I, I feel like I, I keep saying it, but it just, it's, it's almost unfathomable to me that the city of New York, my hometown is planning a 40% reduction in street trash can pickup. Yeah. Well, that's just going to mean you're going to have, oh, you're going to have overflowing trash cans everywhere. You're going to have people just throwing their trash all over the streets. New York City is going to, in the next year, really closely resemble a third world country on the streets because of all the trash that's going to happen. And people are saying, well, why are they doing this? Budget cuts, to your point, Clay, because they're spending billions of dollars. It turns out when you have 100,000 people and you're providing all of their food, all of their housing, all of their medical care, in addition to whatever you were spending before that, things can get really expensive. Never mind the fact that they were putting some of these migrants up in like four-star hotels uh, for weeks on end. The whole thing is absurd. Find me another country that would do any of this. Before people started saying, oh, the migrants, they need this, and if you don't like it, you're racist. What other country does this? What other country shuts down their local high school so that they can have migrants? By the way, if you tell me the country, I'm going to say, yeah, and how's that working out for them? There might be a couple in Europe. It's not going very well. No, and the the other thing on this is, and it's important for you to understand, if you're out there and you're saying, well, I don't really care what's going on in New York City, you know, they can make their own decisions. Uh, this, uh, you know, make them their sanctuary cities. Let's make them deal with it. You know what they're trying to do too. And this is a big part. They want Joe Biden to give them billions of dollars to pay for all this. That money comes from you and me taxpayers that are not oh, yeah. in New York City or Chicago the, 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 or, or DC. This, this is, is where they're headed. They want to bail out. It's a federal problem as far as Democrats are concerned. Remember the federal government is using the force of law to stop the state of Texas from enforcing the law. The federal government would, I mean, th- this would be like, you know, those of you who work in law enforcement know what I'm talking about. Uh, imagine if you were in like a high pursuit chase, you know, you're, you're an FBI guy. Hey, we got this guy, he's a kidnapper, he's in a car. And, and if you go to like the state trooper, you know, I, I, you know, can you, can you give me assistance on this one? And he goes, nah. Can no no assistance. You'd say, well, what's going on? Like, are, are we enforcing the law here or not? You have the federal government doesn't want help in this case. They don't actually want assistance, and they will prevent assistance from coming to them. And then on the backside of this, they're going to say, well, because it's only a federal problem, everyone has to pay for this. So if you're listening to us right now and you're like, well, we don't have that many migrants in Nebraska, and by the way, I have no idea. Maybe there is a big population there of migrants, but you know, we don't have that many migrants in Oklahoma uh, these days. Um, your federal tax dollars are going to go to bail out New York City to the tune of billions of dollars if the Democrats can get away with it. That is the plan. Hundred billion percent the plan. And this is one this is why Joe Biden is polling worse. Of all the issues that are out there, this is the one that is resonating the most, uh, I think, with Americans across the political landscape. And look at who's protesting a lot of this. These are majority black, Hispanic schools, kids that are getting kicked out. And suddenly black and Hispanic par- uh, parents are saying, wait a minute, how in the world is this happening? How are my kids coming off of COVID when we know, despite what Fauci's trying to argue, when we know, by the way, how incredibly disadvantaged kids were by shutting down schools, all of a sudden they're going to shut down schools again and make these kids go to remote learning. And we all know that remote learning is an oxymoron because it, for the most part, doesn't really exist. I, I just... The, the chickens are coming home to roost here, and 
I don't know what the pathway out is for the Biden administration at this point in time. By the way, we'll take some of your calls, 800-282-2882, as we continue to roll through the Wednesday edition of the program. Also curious uh, how people will break down their viewing habits. You were talking about this with me off air. How many of you out there will watch DeSantis versus Nikki Haley on CNN? And we should also mention, I'll come back and bring us back in talking about this a little bit. Donald Trump appearing live on Fox News for the first time since April 2022 with his own counter-programming going on head-to-head against DeSantis and Nikki Haley. I'm curious what those ratings will look like uh, for Donald Trump with his town hall as he continues to not be involved in the debate process at all. In the meantime, and I think, by the way, Buck, this will be the first time that Donald Trump has been live on television since May when he did that CNN town hall, which basically blew up all of CNN and got the head of CNN fired. So get your popcorn, uh, as, as one might say. Uh, no idea what's going to happen there. If you're into podcasts, we've got a great, great recommendation. It's called Our American Stories, a podcast about extraordinary Americans and their remarkable accomplishments that have contributed to building this country into the proud nation we are. Whether it's in the art, sports, business, or even adventure, one theme is constant. There are ordinary Americans who do good and heroic things every day. Our American Stories features little-known stories about well-known people. How about Abraham Lincoln spending his last day of life? What exactly went into that and those impacts? How about the remarkable stories of Harriet Tubman? Today's episode, all about Father Stuart Long, Golden Gloves heavyweight boxing champion turned Catholic priest. You'll learn something new and fascinating with each episode our American Stories daily podcast you can find in the free iHeart app or wherever you get your podcast again. That's Our American Stories, a storytelling podcast with impact. You don't know what you don't know, right? But you could on the Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. Third hour of Clay and Buck kicks off now, everybody. And, you know, one of the things that we always try to do here is get you... Answers to questions, right? We ask questions. There are things out there that we need to figure out what's going on. We started off the show talking a little bit about what's happening in New York City where they are kicking kids out of their school, out of a New York City high school, to make room for a couple thousand migrants who you would think wouldn't necessarily get priority here because they're not really supposed to be in the country in the first place. They entered illegally and are now theoretically waiting for uh, asylum claims to be adjudicated. Clay pointed this out earlier in the week that I think it's now, they're looking at 2033 or 2032 or something for when the actual claims will be, people are getting court appearances. It's into the 2030s for when into you the actually 2030s, are supposed yeah. to show up. So just Which for is, everybody out there thinking, imagine trying to predict your own life seven years from now. It's, 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 the whole thing is absurd, but it shows you that it's it's a total scam. And and this is causing a little bit of a problem. You know, Clay read before also the uh, numbers out of Michigan, the polling numbers out of Michigan, suggesting that immigration is a major issue there. Illegal immigration is a major issue there. Well, Biden regime recognizes that they got a problem because uh, it looks really bad. 6.8 million already. 8 million predicted illegals in this country in Biden's first term. The greatest acceleration of illegal entry into the United States in history has occurred in Joe Biden's first three years, and it's not going to stop in his fourth year. Corrine Jean-Pierre 
was asked a question about this one. This is cut 25, and here's what she's saying about New York City kicking kids out of school for migrants. And as it relates to this particular question that you're asking me about in New York City, that is something that New York City needs the answers to. That is a process that they took, so they have to answer to that. And as it relates to migrants and what's happening at the border, look, the president has taken this issue very seriously, very seriously by making sure that on his first day, which is almost three years, it'll be a couple weeks, it'll be three years ago, that he put forward a comprehensive immigration uh, legislation to deal with what's happening with the immigration process, obviously, and also the border. And this is an issue that's been going on for decades. The system has been broken for decades. And the president is the one who has taken action to deal with this, while House Republicans do not. Uh, it's just all the same talking points we've heard for a very long time. I, I would note, Clay, first of all, when she says comprehensive immigration reform, when Democrats use that term, they mean... I need everyone to to listen up, and I think all of you know this, but it's important that we reiterate it. They mean amnesty, okay? That The only immigration reform that is certain and that they want is amnesty. Everything else is just make-believe. It's window dressing around the problem. It's not actually going to do anything, and they won't actually enforce any provisions or restrictions that they say they will. But also notice how they've gone from doing the jobs Americans won't do, Clay, to... We need, you know, Nancy Pelosi was saying, you know, we have an obligation to give these people asylum. We actually don't. And we didn't have an obligation to take in illegals to do jobs that they were going to be undercutting the wages of American workers for. She's not being honest. I know that many of you out there are going to say, of course she's not. But if you go back and look, we've never had this many people cross our southern border illegally in any of your lives than has happened since Joe Biden took office. And I think it's important to point out that many of the people crossing the southern border are not doing it from Mexico. Because for a lot of us out there, this is the way we think about illegal immigration. We're like, oh, those are just people coming over from Mexico. And that has been commonplace in the years past, in the decades past that she's referenced. But a lot of the time then, people would cross over for seasonal work, and then they would go back home. And this is... Important because it ties in with the asylum claims not being heard until after 2030 now. So many people are coming into the country from so far away now that they can never go back to their home country. If you were, let's say, in 1986, coming across the southern border because you were going to engage in, let's say, let's say picking strawberries or helping to harvest food in a seasonal basis, You tended to go back across the border. Now, if you're coming, you're coming from so far away that you're never going to go back to your home country. I was reading yesterday or the day before, we're seeing Africans. Think about how crazy this is. We are seeing Africans, not African-Americans, Africans, people from Africa, We are seeing them travel all the way to South America to come to the United States now. Tens of thousands of them because it's easier for them to get into the United States than Europe. Now I understand everybody's not an expert in, uh, in, in, in the globe, right? Like everybody just think about when you are traveling that far from Africa to a new continent here to go to a different it's easier to get into the United States from Africa than it is Europe. And Europe's got all sorts of immigration issues itself. That's how bad it is. 
you'd much rather be an illegal in America than you would these days in Italy, in Greece, in Spain. There's increasing pushback in those countries on these issues. Uh, they, you know, it, here in America, we take the attitude of we're gonna we're gonna take care of of everything that needs taken care of for anyone who's here, illegal or not. Now we could have a whole discussion about that, but the point is, it's a better deal for people. You know, if you were coming from, uh, you know, if, if you were coming from the uh, you know Central African Republic, let's say, Europe's a whole lot closer to your point, but it's a better option to get into America because you're very likely going to be able to do it. You're very likely going to be able to stay. Um, so when they say that New York City has to answer for this, uh, no, really, it's a federal problem. I mean, that, that's a that's a dodge when Corinne Jean-Pierre says. This is all about what the city of New York is doing. The truth is, this is all a, you know, the Biden administration shows everybody what they're really all about when they prevent Texas from helping them secure the border. And we also need to redefine some of these terms. What does border security mean? It has to mean if you weren't coming here through a legal process, you were immediately turned away from the country. The way it works now is people illegally enter, not at a port of entry, then they claim defensive asylum. The cartels coach them on how to do this. They pay money. They get a little bracelet. They say, oh, I have a credible fear of, my, of violence in my country. It's a joke, the credible fear screening process. The numbers just came out. I think it's 85% of people who enter illegally get to stay. You got an over 8 out of 10 chance. And then once you're in the country, there's no interior enforcement you have to fear whatsoever because there's no deportations. So when people say a secure border, it doesn't mean that you have more people waving everybody in and handing out sandwiches and saying, welcome to America. It means stopping people from coming into the country and expelling those who are in the country illegally, or else everything is just, we're just wasting our time. What it also does, Buck, in addition to, yes, this is the Democrat game plan. They lie. They say that nothing's changed. They The incentive culture, which we've talked about here, you can get a job and you can make a lot more money than you would in your home country. It also destroys the argument that America is a systemically racist country. Because over 50,000 people are fleeing Africa. Africa is almost entirely black, right? Almost entirely oh. black rulers. But the left makes an even, the, the argument is even more, um, even more upsetting than that, Clay, because it's not just, it's not just that we're not a racist country. The argument that the left makes in this country and really the sort of global, no borders, you know, internationalist view is America owes this to all these countries because of our exploitation of the developing world, because of our climate CO2 profile, because of, you know, the history of colonialism, right? So to your point, they're coming here because obviously it's like not really that racist, but the mentality of the people arriving is you owe this to us. And the Democrat left in this country tells them that, says that's right. People have to pay this up, uh, pay this, uh, you know, forward or whatever. They got to do what they got to do. Which is why I tie this all in with the DEI universe in general. Think about the world that Democrats have created. You have people who are illegally entering the country. Let's say, I think the New York Times just reported that in the last year, over 50,000 Africans traveled from Africa to Latin America to make their way into the United States. So it's easier to get to the United States from Africa illegally than it is into into Europe. They're then going to be here for seven years. Let's say they have a kid. Say they don't have a kid. 
They can get a job based on the legacy of racism, despite never having had anything at all to do with American history and racism at all. In fact, the biggest beneficiaries, if you look at a lot of these so-called elite colleges, you, I think we've talked about this on the show before, the black students that are being admitted, a huge percentage of them never were. The idea is, oh, we've got to redress past American racial discrimination. A huge percentage of them and their families were never here when the racial discrimination even happened. I mean, overwhelmingly, the number of kids that are going in uh, to these uh, these elite schools are kids whose parents were highly educated in potentially other countries. Let's say your dad and mom got a doctorate in Nigeria. You come to this country, you get raised uh, as an American, and then you benefit off of the racial spoil system, despite the fact that there's no connection whatsoever your family has yeah. to any Look, legacy it, of discrimination in America at all. It's just, it's the same, it's it's the politics of, of envy, it's replacing uh, class class warfare uh, that the communists used to take the malcontents of a society and and turn turn them against everybody else and turn the society upside down with this creation of the systemic racism uh, myth in this country. America was at one point obviously and has a history of having racism in the past, but that is no longer the case. And you know, with the argument that's being made by people today about things like the systemic racism in America, you'd have to say, what is an America that, that they would admit is not systemically racist look like? And you have to wonder, because if they're going to start saying, well, it would have to be equal representation in the following fields, the following wealth categories, the following criminal justice categories, you'd say, so you're actually just talking about quotas. Well, they've tried quota systems in other countries around the world based along racial lines, and it works very, very poorly. It is a very bad idea because it's inherently a wrong idea and an unjust idea, but they'll never just accept. Well, if the law is if the law is acceptable, the law is neutral, and you know, even beyond that, the American people are, um, despite what the media pretends, and that graph, everyone should see it. Like everyone should have it printed out and keep it in their desk somewhere. The graph of the media deciding in uh, was it 2016. Was it with Trump or was it? I think it might have been before that. A few years ago, 2013-14 is 13, when the white you. supremacy right. suddenly just started to show sudden, up everywhere. That's right. Barack Obama goes into his second term, and it's all about white supremacy in the media all the time. That's what they're talking about. And they have actually tried to redefine white supremacy to be things that are entirely innocuous. And you say, wait, that's not white supremacy. You know, had these there have been these discussions before. I think Vivek even brought up actually recently. With that reporter, remember when he had that throwdown with the the very you know intellectually limited reporter, um, and he said, "Is being on time a form of white supremacy?" Because some of the biggest advocates of systemic racism claim that it is. Yeah, they oh, claim BLM's that it is. That, that is their terminology. Says a two parent household is white supremacy. Which is all of it is. It's actually so crazy and so offensive. But that is where the left took this, and and that is you know the continuation of their logic, and it's because it's all rooted in a faulty principle. We can either uh, we can either stop discriminating by race, or we're going to continue discriminating by race, right? This is you can whatever you try to fill in as the as the you know the the on the x y axis of this, it doesn't change that you're either discriminating by race or you're not, and you can either stop doing it or you're going to keep doing it, um, and that's the that's the simple reality I think of race in America today. But the Democrat Party is built on 
more than anything else, the uh, identity politics framework. So that's why, yeah, it's very hard to tear this stuff down. Very hard, no matter what the arguments are, to get people to change uh, change their minds on this. You know, if one of your New Year's resolutions is to finally digitize your family's home memories recorded on video and cassette tapes, Legacy Box is the company that can get it done. Their team of 200-plus technicians in Tennessee will hand-transfer each tape, cassette, film reel, slide, or print photo onto digital files that can be easily watched, shared, and posted. takes less than a month. You'll get everything back along with brand-new digital copies. You know, Carrie's uh, dad just did this, and he was going through. This is my father-in-law. He was going through all these old photos. He spent hours and hours going there. He was discovering photos that they thought they had lost, and now they're all going to be digitally preserved because of Legacy Box. Legacy Box is the industry leader. They've helped nearly a million and a half families. If you haven't done this yet, it's such a fun project to do, especially if it's kind of a snowy or, uh, you know, a sleet-filled Saturday. You can uh, sit around with the family around the fireplace or wherever and fill up your Legacy Box and just know it's all going to be handled with such care. Go to LegacyBox.com slash buck. You'll save 50% off. Time to rescue your family's most cherished memories, which haven't been watched in years, Go to LegacyBox.com slash Buck. That's LegacyBox.com slash B-U-C-K. Keep up with Clay and Buck's campaign coverage with 24, a Sunday highlight reel from the week. Find it on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? It look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. While I believe that Trump, if the election were today, I think he would win comfortably 10 months out. Buck, not so confident. There obviously is voting taking place for the first time on Monday. So everybody out there who's like, Trump's not even going to be the nominee. That's the voice that I hear. I don't usually do voices, Buck, but that's the <laughs> that was, that voice. That was my favorite. Yeah. Like, you got to yeah. do voices more often. That, was like, that, was that is that is the way that I hear everyone who ever goes on social media and disagrees. Everybody who disagrees like that about who's going to be the nominee, that is the voice that I hear every one of your tweets, right? Every one of your emails. Ron DeSantis is going to – this now I'm changing voices – Ron DeSantis is going to win Iowa by 10 points. You're going to see, Clay. You're going to be crying. And then simultaneously, the next tweet that rolls in will be, I don't know why you hate Donald Trump so much. In fact, I I, I, I was reading the emails. I, I don't Uh-oh. know how often you read these emails, Buck. This came in. This is one of our VIPs. I wanted to give uh, – I, I flagged this because I thought it would be fun to read. Bill. Bill wrote in, Buck, and he said, Clay. I just want you to know how hypocritical you sound. You don't want Trump to win because there will be riots. What Democrat paid you off? I know you, this this is Bill. This is what Bill wrote. I know you will never be affected by the Bidenomics. You are an elitist and have no idea what the ordinary worker is going through. Your mindset is like the chaotic music that you play in the beginning of your show. This is Bill. This is where you're headed, whoa, Buck, by the whoa. way. Old I mean, it's one thing, it's one thing to say you're a paid agent of Biden, but to mess with our theme song, Bill, Bill, come on, you gotta give it a chance. Bill's not even done. Bill just brought like a, 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 a you know, a, a automatic uh, firing. He's, he's taken out everything. Bill continued, Buck. So I'm i I'm a hypocrite. I don't want Trump to win because there will be riots. I'm being paid off by Democrats. I'm an elitist uh, that uh, that has picked awful music to play on the show. It continues. Bill, that's all what Bill said. And then he makes a pivot here, Buck. I swear this is directly from the, the VIP. As far as the college national championship comments you made... <laughs> Hold on. This is a lot of range for Bill. Bill legitimately hates everything that I have said on any subject. So Bill went from, you're paid by the Democrats, I hate you, you're an elitist, your music sucks, to, then he pivots. As far as the college national championship comments you made, remember it's easy to win when you can recruit the way Harbaugh did. The top-named colleges have been doing it for years. You're heroes. One last thing. You act and talk like the rhino you are. So Bill just served me from top to bottom all day. And the reason, first of all, this amazing email, I appreciate Bill. I'm thankful for him listening. Disagreeing with everything that I've said. Also not really understanding anything that I've said, but that's a whole other story. Simultaneously, and you get this too, Buck. You can be, as we get closer to the primary, and this is, this is where it's very much like sports. You can simultaneously, in the mind of people who are diehard Ron DeSantis supporters, be a diehard Donald Trump supporter who is indefensibly biased. And in the mind of a Trump supporter, you can simultaneously be a diehard 
uh, Ron DeSantis supporter who is, doesn't believe that, thinks I, that Trump, I'm, I'm paid to try to keep Trump from being elected. I think the mission statement here should, should always be, uh, clear and it's, we want what's best for the country. A Republican defeating Joe Biden is what's best for the country. I don't know. I don't think anybody can really know at this point what the Democrats have fully planned, but we want the best Republican candidate we can have. Who wins this primary is going to be up against what I think is going to be a maelstrom of a whole range of things. Lies, cheating, Democrat apparatus, funding, you know, social media, uh, tilting the scale. Um, but, you know, it is possible to sit here and say, and, and I, I think it's, I try to be very honest about this. I think you try to be very honest about this, Clay. Um, I thought Donald Trump did a, uh, did a good job when he was president. I think that Ron DeSantis has done a A plus job as governor of Florida. Um, I think that Vivek Ramaswamy has made quite a name for himself and been a very interesting component of the debates and the discussion. He's not, I, I don't think that he's really gotten much in the way of uh, polling numbers, but you know, and then Nikki Haley, I start to get a little, I'm, I tend to be a little critical, uh, more critical of her stated positions. And then we even get to, uh, and, and I can say why, but I just think as somebody who spent some time in Iraq and some time in Afghanistan during those wars and saw what our warfighters were doing and what they were up against and what the mission was and saw the intelligence at the highest levels, um, there were big problems with the strategies. There were big problems with that. And we saw this with the Biden disastrous withdrawal out of Afghanistan um, but at least, but look, if it's Nikki Haley or Joe Biden, yeah, I'd rather have Nikki Haley, obviously. So if she became the nominee, I would support her. Chris Christie, and I used to like Christie. I mean, look, I sit here and say, I'm a former Romney voter, everybody. I voted for Mitt Romney in 2012, and I got to live with that. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it was Mitt Romney or Barack Obama. You, I, It's one of the best things that Rumsfeld ever said. You go to war with the army you have. I know which army I want to win, I, or which side I want to win. I just don't necessarily uh, know who the general is going to be. Chris Christie, I'm a little worried though. He's gone to the like he's gone to the dark side. Like I'm a little worried. Chris Christie, the force has uh, has left him, and he is now turning into like Christie Vader or you know something like that. I've he's, got a quote. Sauron, That's a Sauron has gotten him with the ring. I've got a Chris Christie quote for you that you haven't seen yet or heard. Um, And let me just say this. I would say the biggest pivot for me during the course of this Republican campaign uh, for the primary, as people get ready to vote five days from now, um, I really believe, and I've said this, I think, for a couple of months now, the story to me has shifted from who's the most likely to beat Biden to if Biden is the nominee, then I think Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Donald Trump, I legitimately believe this, I think if all four, any of those four guys and, and or gal were the nominee, I think that they would all beat Biden. And I think Democrats are slowly coming to the, I really do. I, 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 think, I think all four you are, of those guys. I think you are underestimating the Democrat death star here. I really do. I, I, do I think that we can run? I'm really going with the analogies here or the, or the metaphors, analogies, whatever. Going with the X wing. Can we hit the death star? Yes, we can. We can take it out. But the Death Star is big, and it is a challenge, okay? The Democrat Death Star, whether it's old man Biden or Kamala or whomever, it's going to be really hard, really hard for I any of these candidates. I think if it's Biden that he is done. I, I really do. But, <laughs> but, but, here is what Chris Christie is saying, 
Okay, I'm going to go back to the primary. Uh, For everybody out there who's mad because I'm talking about the general you, election. You, you want you want Clay to be the coach of your like high school team, by the way, because even if you got your butts kicked last season, he's like, we're the best team in the state. We're the best team in the state. We're I do kick not, everybody. I do not lack for confidence. I actually had this conversation with my wife the other day. Um, there was a uh, my my middle son is the most like for me in confidence, and like he said something and he walked out of the room, and I was like, can you believe? Do you believe the chutzpah in this kid? And my wife was like, yes, it's you every single day that we've been married for the last 20-some-odd years. You talk the exact same time. <laughs> the people have spoken right in VIPs. You want more Clay voices. That is my voice for everybody out there, for the, the primary people out there. All right? Um, I got to tell you, Chris Christie is, I really believe, potentially going to keep Nikki Haley from winning New Hampshire. Because everybody that is voting for Chris Christie would otherwise, I believe, I believe it's 100%, would otherwise vote for Nikki Haley. There's nobody I mean, voting I, for Chris Christie that I've would otherwise vote for Trump. I've got the latest numbers in front of me. Trump 39, Haley 32, Christie 12. So there you go. Okay. So Christie is now saying, why will he not drop out? He's getting asked that question a lot. Here's a direct quote from Chris Christie. I've never heard this argument made. I'm curious if you've heard it, Buck. Let's say I dropped out of the race right now and I supported Nikki Haley. And then three months from now, four months from now, when you're ready to go to the convention, she comes out as his, Donald Trump's, vice president. What will I look like? What will all the people who supported her at my behest look like? Chris Christie says he will not endorse Nikki Haley because he's afraid she'll be Trump's vice president. Hmm. Have you ever seen that argument made in the history of politics? I have not, and I would say, um, interesting. I, I don't, I don't think it's beyond, beyond possibility that Nikki Haley actually might end up as Trump's VP. I, I agree I with that, you on that. I know some people don't like to hear that, but, and, and maybe I'm wrong, so maybe they're right not to want to hear that, but, I think Trump, I think for people that want Trump to be the nominee, he could pick whoever his VP is, and we all are supposed to just say, that's great. So that's that. I don't think there'd be any pushback whatsoever. So does that mean it could be Nikki Haley? Yes. Do I think it will be Nikki Haley? No, but I think she's in the top three right now. How strained of an argument is that for Chris Christie? He has zero, so he has zero percent chance of being the Republican nominee. Zero, he's like legitimately spoiler, zero. Yeah, he's playing spoiler across the board. That's why I said he is. Uh, it's not like the Chris Christie that we remember. Everybody, he was talking to Trump about being his attorney general. So just keep that in mind. That was a no very doubt. real thing that was, and the reason he didn't get it was because Chris Christie prosecuted Jared Kushner's father. That's actually why Chris Christie was not attorney general. If anybody needs a reminder, Jared Kushner's father was a convicted felon. Chris Christie was the U.S. attorney in New Jersey at the time. And that is why Chris Christie was not your attorney general. And Jeff Sessions became your attorney general. And then I remember sitting down with Trump early on in the Trump presidency. And he said, I don't even have an attorney general. And I was like, but we just talked to Jeff Sessions, sir. (laughs) He thinks he's your attorney general. So I remember all of this. Uh, All right, Buck. Will you watch one minute of the NFL playoffs? No, not even one minute of the NFL playoffs. I mean, you know the answer. It, it might be on the TV if by accident. You had money on the game. 
Now on you're speaking my language because now yes. it makes it fun for me to check out what's going on. So that's right. As a matter of fact, I will be watching some NFL playoffs as long as I have some guidance from somebody about which picks I should make. So look, I want you guys to just check this out. Trust me on this. Uh, this is really fun. If you're looking, there are six games coming up this weekend. Uh, you got, uh, six NFL playoff games. I actually think this is the best weekend of NFL playoffs of the year. Next week, you got four divisional games. So you got 10 NFL games. Everybody watches these games. A lot of you don't really have skin in the game, so to speak. You haven't made picks. I want you to go check out this site, especially if you live in Texas, California, Georgia, and you felt left out because you aren't able to make picks in your state. Texas, California, big markets, Georgia, a lot of you listening in all those places right now. But all over the country, I'd like for you guys right now, trust me, prizepicks.com slash clay. Just type that in, prizepicks.com slash clay. You go check that out right now, even if you don't want to start yet. Just go check out all of the cool data. If you're looking forward to all six of these games coming up, or you just know they're going to be on in your house because your husband or your wife or your kids are big NFL fans, you can get a lot of good information. Know who the best players are, how many yards they're supposed to throw for, touchdowns they might get. Just check out the info here. If for no other reason, then it'll make you better able to talk about the games with everybody who's going to be watching. This goes all the way up through the Super Bowl. And right now, if you decide that you want to make some picks, they'll match $100 of your own money. So if you put in $100, you get $100 back. They are matching exactly whatever you put in. Your money down. You can't lose. You get that same amount in credit. Prizepicks.com slash clay. Again, if you've been feeling left out, particularly in Texas, California, uh, in Georgia, because you haven't been able to make your picks, check it out, prizepicks.com slash clay. I'll give you some picks before the week is out. I can't wait for these games. You guys know I love them. Prizepicks.com slash clay. You can get up to $100 matched, no risk, prizepicks.com slash clay. Heard it on the show? Hear more on the podcast. Clay and Buck Podcast Deep Dives. More content, more common sense. Find the guides on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. 
Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 